Hello, I'm Jane and welcome to Dumpy Little Unicorn. Today I'm going to be interviewing RJ Barker. So this is my first interview and uh, some of the sound recording is not as great a quality as I would like it to be. So apologise for that in advance and I hope you still enjoy it. Thanks very much. Hi RJ, welcome to Unicorn uh, uh, podcast. This is our first one. You are our first guest. Um, Brilliant. I'm, I'm honoured. <laughs> Thank you. So um, just wanted to say, first of all, that one of my favourite trilogies of the last couple of years was the Wounded Kingdom trilogy. Um, I thought Gerton was excellent. Uh, and um, basically, I think one of my favourite things about it was the fact that um, sort of a lot of your main characters had disabilities and they were all front mm-hmm. and centre and really important to the story. And I just sort of, because it's an unusual thing to see, uh, and what made you sort of take that uh, sort of Part- really. Partly it's um, the outsider figure is always an interesting figure and it made sense in, in that that community for for that to make him an outsider. So that, that sort of put him on the edge of society, which was lovely. And then partly on the other side, it's from my own experiences. I'm chronically ill, I have Crohn's disease. Yeah. Um, and it attacks your joints. And for the longest time, I could barely walk. So I'm quite familiar with that sort of pain and a lot of stuff that crops up in in the wounded kingdom like the the way they fight and get ready for it is is pain management techniques and yeah. stuff like that and it just seemed like a a good way of using things that were in in my real life yeah absolutely well. uh i i just sort of loved the way um sort of the way that he sort of counted and the way that even though he he sort of had had this disability it didn't stop him in any way and he becomes this incredibly powerful character um and i think i think there's a i think people have sort of covered disabled characters who who are struggling because of it and i very much didn't want to write that because i think the reality of any disability is is you get on despite of it rather than it's just a facet it isn't you and that's what i wanted to get across with him yeah and i think i think that works really well and it, it was such a good and it and not just him because you have a range of characters with sort of different disabilities and they all are incredibly badass in their sort of own ways which is absolutely fantastic um now the also i just wanted to say that uh, is it zeus is yeah. one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite characters and um because you seem to have a thing for antlers and I do. I'm, I'm obsessed. If, if you could see my front room, it's covered in them. They're, they're everywhere. Well, I, that was one of the reasons I wanted you for this podcast was because um, you're into antlers. I'm into unicorn horns. There's there's yeah. a definite um, synergy you, going on there. Have you ever been to a um, Punnett Park Museum in Whitby? No, I haven't. If you can, it's um, it's this odd little museum where they just like fill it with random stuff, but just propped up. In, it's kind of like an umbrella stand and narwhal horns oh, and you, you can just pick them up and and, and feel them and, and they're they're just properly amazing because obviously they're, they're we think the genesis of unicorns yeah yeah and, uh, and so if you ever get the chance to go on holiday to whitby 
Planet Park Museum is the place for you. And also there's, there's a Hand of Glory and there's a Slug Prognosticator, which are two of my favourite things. Here, okay. Here. Now I know what a hand of glory is, but what is a slug prognosticator? <laughs> Not so sorry, sorry, leech, leech. I get them they're very similar. Uh, um, what it is, it's a big sort of thing, and they put leeches in it, and depending on the barometric pre pressure, leeches will crawl out of the bits they're in, so they can tell which way storms are coming from. Oh I've no idea, I've no idea if it worked or not. It's a really <laughs> impressive looking thing, and it's I think. It's quite old, but it's just one of those wonderful mad things that you think, oh, someone had to pay enough attention to leeches to, to realise they did this thing and then invent a machine for it. It's mad. It's brilliant. I love it. That, that, is, that is absolutely bonkers. But yes, that, I, I do like that kind of thing. Um, so we've touched a little bit on the Wounded Kingdom um, and I've sort of gushed about how much I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad. But... I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> and like everybody who's listening to this should definitely go out and read them if they haven't already but you have something new uh coming up yeah we've got the burn ships comes out in in september which i'm currently terrified by um it's very different because i i wanted to do kind of you do a thing and then then i always think i should do something yeah uh, that's very different and not not the same though kind of some some things are there's a a male-female friendship is at the heart of it, but um, it's much slower. I, I, there's two types of fiction that I really love. I, I love kind of fast-paced, thrillery type fiction, which I would say The Wounded Kingdom kind of comes into. It's that. Yeah. It's very instant. Gurton, when you meet him, he, he's a very... He is who he is, I think, but although he, he goes on to become quite sulky um, and needs a slap throughout the second he book. does need a slap. <laughs> he really needs a slap throughout the whole second book. But... Um, his character is formed, and because of that, you can have something. He's quite sarcastic and he's quite funny. Um, and the other kind of fiction that I love, I always think of it as as complete immersion fiction. Um, and for me, the the best proponent of it is Patrick O'Brien, who wrote Master and Commander. And yeah. And I just remember the first time he read this book. That I read one of his books that I had no idea what was going on for the first three chapters. I just didn't understand it because there is no prisoners take and you're thrown into this 17th century world on ships yeah. uh, and then the, suddenly it starts to come clear and it's kind of wonderful that you're entirely in this world and that's what I wanted to do with the bone ships um, I'm not comparing myself to Patrick O'Brien because he's a genius and I'm not but, um, and also Joron who is the, the character we follow for most of the bone ships where Girton was a, a fully rounded figure. When you meet Joron, he's he's very much not. He he's he's kind of he doesn't know who he is to the point that I think for the first four or five pages, might be even longer than that. You don't know his name. He's he's not named until Mayas, who is the other character, okay. asks him what his name is, and that that's that's the beginning of his character being formed. So it's quite a I, I, my publisher will be cross if I use the word slow. Um, considered <laughs> it's it's a very considered it kind of has this I wanted it to have like impetus you know like a ship that it, it slowly builds and builds and builds and yeah. builds and then by the end it, it's it is storming by the end of it but you kind of get this this build up of you introduced to sorry I like oh god no I, I was just going to say I really do enjoy books that have that sort of 
build to them and have that sort of inevitability to them where they just sort of grow and um, you get you know you you sort of you get hooked in and Mm. then you just want to find out what what on earth is going on and it's that kind of thing that sort of like draws you in and um, pulls you along and I'm I have to say it it has been quite high on my to read list of so I can't wait for it to come out in September (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's a I'm kind of part of me is is ready for people who not I think there'll be a fair amount of people who'll go this isn't what I expected um but I love it I really, I do. Yeah, I can read you a bit from it if you want. Oh, that's great. Yes, please. Hang on. It'll just be a bit of noise now because I have to take off my headphones to get the book. Okay, no worries. I'll read you the beginning. Um, yeah. Which is, it, it's, it's got kind of, it's, it's got its own rhythm of language and, and its own words. And I think you'll find out because I'm going to read it. Why am I trying to explain it to you? Anyway, <laughs> this is from chapter one, which is called The Castaway. Give me a hat. They're not the sort of words that you expect to start a legend, but they were the first words he ever heard her say. She said them to him, of course. It was early. The scent of fish filled his nose and worked its way into his stomach, awakening the burgeoning nausea. His head ached and his hands trembled in a way that would only be stilled by the first cup of ship wine. Then a pain in his mind would fade as the thick liquid slithered down his gullet, warming his throat and guts. After the first cup would come the second, and with that would come the numbness that told him he was on his way to deadening his mind the way his body was dead, or waiting to be. Then there would be a third cup, and then a fourth, and then a fifth, and the day would be over and he would slip into darkness. But the black ship in the quiet harbour would still sit at its rope. Its bones would creak as they pulled against the tide. The crew would moan and creak as they drank on its decks, and he would fall into unconsciousness in the old Flenser's hut. Here he was, shipwife in name only, commander in word only failure. Voices from outside, because even here in the long abandoned and ghost-haunted flensing yards there was no real escape from others. Not even the memory of Keesian's rot, the disease of these boneyards could keep people from cutting through. Shattered stone came in this morning, said this on Archiex over Slate home, sent the wind talker, fell mad and it nearly wrecked him. Had to kill the creature to stop it bringing him a, bringing a wind to throw him across a lee shore. I've been an Archiex seen for now in my lifetime. Brings nothing good. Paint that on a rock for the sea hag. And the voices faded, lost in the hiss of the waves on the beach, eaten up by the sea as everything was destined to be. What he thought and what they said brings nothing good. May as well say that Skeeth's eye will rise on the morrow, for this is the Hundred Isles. When did good things ever happen here? The next voice he heard was the challenge, delivered while he kept his eyes closed against the tide of Nora's ear, ebbing and flowing in hot, acidic words from his stomach. Give me your hat, a voice thick with the sea, a bird shriek croak of command, the sort of voice you ran to obey, had you scurrying up the rigging to spread the wings of your ship. Maybe, just maybe, on any other day after a single cup of shipwife, maybe he would have done what she said and handed over his two-tailed shipwife's hat, which, along with the bright dye in his hair, mapped him out as a commander an undeserving one. But in the restless night, his sleep had been troubled by thoughts of his father and thoughts of another life, not a better one, not an easier one, but a sober one, one without shame, one in which he did not feel the pull of the sea hag's slimy hands trying to drag him down to his end, one of long days at the wing of a fluke boat, singing of the sea and pulling on the ropes as his father glowed with pride at how well his little fisher boy worked the winds. 
of long days before his father's strong and powerful body was broken as easily as a thin varisk vine ground to meet between the side of his boat and the pitiless hull of a bone ship his hand reaching up from black water a bearded face mouth open as if to call to his boy in the final agonizing second such strength and it had meant nothing so maybe he had for once woken with the idea of how wonderful it would be to have a little pride and if there had been a day for him to give up the two-tailed hat of shipwife then it was not this day no he said he had to scrape the words out of his mind and that was exactly how it felt like he drew the curve of a kernel blade down the inside of his skull words falling from his mouth slack as mid-tide i am shipwife of the tide child and this is my symbol of command he touched the rim of the black two-tailed cap i am shipwife and you will not you will have to take this hat from me how strange it felt to say those words those fleet words that he knew more from his father's stories of service than from any real experience they were good words though strong words with a history and they felt right in his mouth if he were to die then they were not bad final words for his father to hear from his place deep below the sea standing warm and welcome at the hag's eternal bonfire he squinted at the figure before him thoughts fought in his aching head which one of them had come for him since he became shipwife, he knew a challenge must come. He commanded angry women and men, bad women and men, cruel women and men, and it had only ever been a matter of time before one of his crew wanted the hat and the colours. Was it Barley who stood in the door hall of this bothy? She was a hard one, violent, but no, too small for her, and the silhouette of this figure wore its hair long, not cut to the skull. Canvey, then, he was a man jealous of everything and everyone, and quick with his knife, but no. The silhouette appeared female, undoubtedly so, no straight lines to her under the tight fish skin and feather. Quell, then. She would make a move, and she could swim, so he would have been able to get off the ship. He lived himself up, feeling the still unfamiliar tug of the kernel at his hip. We fight then, said the figure, and she turned, walking out into the sun, a hair worn long, grey and streaked in the colours of command like his, bright reds and blues, the sun scattered off the fish skin of her clothing, tightly wound about her muscled body and held in place with straps. Hanging from the straps were knives, small crossbows and twisting, shining, jingling assortment of good-luck trinkets that spoke of a lifetime of service and violence. Around her shoulders hung a precious feather cloak, and where the fish skin scattered the sunlight, the feather cloak hoarded it, twinkling and sparkling, passing motes of light from plume to plume, so each and every colour shone and shouted out its hue. I'm going to die, he thought. She idled away from the slanted bothy he had slept in, away from the small and stinking abandoned dock, and he followed. No one was around. He'd chosen this place for its relative solitude. Along the shingle beach they walked, her striding, looking for a place, and him following like a lost kuai, one of the flightless birds to bred for meat, looking for a flock to join. Though of course there was no flock for a man like him, only the surety of the death he walked towards. And she stood with her back to him as though he were not worth her attention. She tested the beach beneath her feet, pushing at the shingle with the toes of her high boots, as if searching for something under the stones that may rear up and bite her. He was reminded of himself as a child checking the sand for jewel worms before playing alone with a group of imaginary friends. Ever the outsider? Ah, he should have known it would come to this. When she turned, he recognised her, knew her. Not socially, not through any action he had fought as he had fought none, but he knew her face. The pointed nose, the sharp cheekbones, the weathered skin, the black patterns drawn around her eyes and the scintillating golds and greens on cheeks that marked her as someone of note. He recognised her had seen her walking before prisoners, seen her walking before children run from raids on the gaunt islands, children to be made ready for the thirteen birds' priests, thirsty blades, children to be sent to the hag or to ride the bones of a ship as corpse-like, merry colours that told of the ship's health, seen her standing on the prow of a ship, 
Arakesian dread, named for the sea dragons that provided the bones for the ships and had once been cut apart from the warm beach below them. Named for the sea dragons that no longer came. Named for the sea dragons that were sinking into myth the way a body would eventually sink to the floor. He'd seen a training a crew, and he'd seen a fight. At a dock over a matter of honour when someone mentioned the circumstances of her birth, it was not a long fight, and when asked for mercy, well, she showed none. And did not think it was in her, for she was hundred isles and fleet to the core, cruel and hard. What light there was in the sky darkened, as if scareth the godbird closed its eyes to his fate. The feast, the, the fierce heat of the air, fleeing as did that small amount of hope that had been in his breast, that single fluttering possibility that he could survive. He was about to fight Maeus Gilbrin, Lucky Maeus, the most decorated, the bravest, the fiercest shipwife the Hundred Isles had ever seen. He was going to die. Beth. Fantastic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it kind of has, even though I, I tripped over bits of it, it kind of has this rhythm and, and it's meant to feel of the sea, if that makes sense. It, it sounds so poetic. Um, mm. There's 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 a definite rhythm to it and a definite poetry which I got from that. That was just absolutely stunning. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know you're probably exceedingly busy writing all the time, but what have you been reading? Um, the last book I read, I tend to read out out of a genre because mm-hmm. I can't switch off the bit of my my mind that um, that is thinking what what would I do which means I, c- I can never really settle when I'm reading. That is really, really annoying because it's kind of like I've had something robbed from me. Yeah. Um, I've just read Your Country by Mick Herron, which is the latest book in his Slow Horses series, which okay. is fantastic. Um, they're kind of spy thrillers. Oh, right, they're, okay. They're beautifully written. He has this brilliant eye for, for people and, and the way they act. And, and I, I read them in a sort of fit of jealousy, just thinking, oh, I could write beautiful and I've just started um, Tombland by CJ Sansom which is um, historical and, and about a, a lawyer called Matthew Shardlake I think it's the last Shardlake book as far as I'm aware there might be another one after okay. this but... yeah I have I have heard of those but I haven't read them and I haven't really read any um, thrillers well I do but not 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 very often I tend to sort of stick within the sort of sci-fi and genre um, yeah. oh um, Children of Ruin, that was the, the last sort of by Adrian Chaka, which is just astounding. Oh, it, I have it I have it ready to read, but um, I I read Children of Time and it mm. blew my mind. So uh, I'm... <laughs> it, 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 I thought Children of Time was amazing. And then um, Adrian gave me a copy of Children of Ruin because um, he lives quite near me. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, how, how, how can he... Um, how can you match that? But he, he surpasses it for me. I think it's it's an astounding book. Okay, well, that's going yeah. up the reading list then. <laughs> yeah, it, it properly. I had to stop every... So I, eventually, my wife sent me to the bedroom to read it because I just kept stopping. I was like, oh, Adrian's a genius. This is amazing. <laughs> she went, go, go away and read it where I am. So, okay. And it's octopuses, and I love octopuses. Oh, so. excellent. Mm. Yes. Tentacles for the win. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So if that's what you've been reading, so have you seen anything exciting recently? Um, what have I been? What have been a gentleman Jack. Oh my word, yes. 
which I, I just thought was amazing. Um, my other half's reading her diaries at the moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's just, it is properly amazing and sad and funny and clever. And you just kind of think, oh, if you'd been born now, you'd have been so much happier. Yes, um, definitely. Uh, Gentleman Jack, what else have we been watching? We've started watching a kind of American buddy cop thing called White Collar. Which... Oh yeah, I've I've heard I've heard of that. But I haven't. Uh, oh, is is that the one with Matt Bomer in it? That sounds like a familiar name. I don't tend to pay much attention to who's who's in things because I like I like to kind of I like to pretend they're real. Yes. So, uh, I, I just I'm not really interested in actors. I'll just. What, what do you think? And um, whilst we, we've just finished, we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which we recently discovered, um, and is wonderful and funny. Isn't and it a joy? It is. I, I like, I can't read. It's really weird because when I write, like, The Wounded Kingdom, mm-hmm. it's not particularly jolly, and some really awful things happen in it. Um, there's, there's a scene in, in, I'm trying not to spoil it for the readers, in King of Assassins, where a character is executed in quite a grim way, um, there's fire involved. Yeah. Um, and I wrote that, and I thought my editor Jenny would take it out of the book because I found it so unpleasant. And she she didn't. She went, yeah, great. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it just made me feel every time I edit it, I just thought, oh, I hate this. It's it's really really unpleasant. And I just keep thinking, but it's, that's what's that's why it's there. It's meant to make you think. Yeah. That. But I, I don't watch stuff like that. I can't watch anything with hospitals. Um, anything with blood in it and so, oh, no. I like to read things that are kind of happier or, or at least there's some possibility of happiness but that actually CJ Samson that that's not true CJ Samson's they're all quite the the sense of melancholy that, you, that people read into the Wounded Kingdom books mm-hmm. um, and quite often people say oh it's, it's very Robin Hobb I would say it's actually CJ Samson who does a very similar thing yeah and and it's something I read read a, a lot of he's astounding just just is a whole again he's a, he's someone who just drops you into the world and you have to work it out for yourself there's no no describing what's going on you're just like yeah it's, it's tutor times be tutor okay. so so and um what was the last thing i watched that really blew me away russian doll oh my word yes yeah <laughs> so it's just just fantastic it's awful awful woman uh, and but quite brilliant it's- and Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it. It's it's just constructed so beautifully, and you like the first episode. You just don't know what's happening. No, no, <laughs> and, and, and you you just think what an awful woman you are. Okay, I don't, I don't want to watch any. That's why we both thought that. Me and my other half watched and thought she is awful. And then you kind of get to know her, and you think, oh, I'm kind of, I know why. And maybe she isn't that awful. And and you by the end, you just want to give her a big hug. Yes. Yeah. And, oh, it's also just oh it's absolutely just the way it's constructed yeah. just i totally it, have a theory about the next series as well oh go on then this is massively spoiler if you've not watched russian doll no i have um, Russian, i have watched russian doll, but uh, perhaps listeners haven't but you should, yeah. they should go and watch russian doll yeah. shouldn't they stick your fingers in your ears listeners if you've not watched russian doll you know um the lady who's throwing the party for her the chinese lady yes uh, and towards the end she's the only person left I think she's going through the same thing as the main character of Russian Doll, because at the end, I'm sure she tries to get to come with her, and her friend says, "I can't come with you this time." Ooh. And it's so well scripted. I 
just think that's not a mistake. That's a yeah. She knows what's happening for some reason. I, I don't. That's my my little. I may be entirely wrong, but that that's my. Oh, that, that, that's giving me goosebumps thinking about that. Oh, I just watched Killing Eve as well, the second series of Killing Eve, which a lot of people didn't like, but I really did. That was great. Well, that's that's on the box to that I've got sort of saved up to binge because I've been catching up on Gentleman Jack. Yes. Yeah. That's I think that's going to be next, but uh, I kind of want my partner to sort of catch up with me. So I'm <laughs> demanding that he watch the first series before we watch the second one together. So. So many people said that oh the second series isn't as good as the first, and and said that the end was. I'd heard a lot of very negative stuff about it. Then we watched it, and I kept waiting for this bit people were talking about it was terrible, and I just thought it was brilliant all the way through, as good as. So, I think, so they, I think a lot of people just try and pull things down a little bit time, and hmm. I, I am not there for that. So it's, no. No, I either, I either enjoy something, or or, or I don't, and I avoid it and there's lots of stuff that I, I kind of consume rather than think yeah. like like superhero stuff I'm not fussed about it but it's quite fun um but I'm not mad about it the the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy the um no not the Thor film that Taika Waititi did um, is, is a work of genius I think I um to- yes I, I totally agree with you there and all of his work is just odd and brilliant. So if you haven't watched um, it's called Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh yeah, yeah, it just Scott's life. Oh, absolutely. And yes. what we do in Shadows, which is like yeah. take on vampires, and they've just turned that into a series, which yeah. has the best scene of any vampires anywhere ever. We've only watched the first three. So. Oh, okay. Keep keep going with it because yeah. I think episode seven is. Mm. I, I was crying with laughter. It's so good and so funny. Oh, we will watch that then, because I, 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 I love the film. It's one of my favourite vampire films, and, and the like vampire films. So, so we, we've just not got round to the series yet. We just got distracted by, I think, Killing Eve. I think it was Killing Eve's fault. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine for a while. My other half have watched nothing but Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Well, that, that's understandable. I, mm. I, I started off being not really liking it because I, I found Jake really irritating yeah then it, it, it sort of it grew on me and then it sort of took over my life for a bit as well so it's it's just I just love the, the sheer joyousness of it and yeah. uh Hitchcock and Scully I think are just my <laughs> absolute base just because they, whatever they're doing is often a tangent mm. to everyone else's, and they are just living their best lives and enjoying themselves. And it's just yeah, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love, I love the one where you got the eighties flashback. Yes. And, and saw them, which um, that that is just, uh, and that they were brought down by hot wings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which, oh yeah, so I love, I'm trying to think, what other media have I been consuming? A lot of this, I listen to a lot of music when I'm writing. Oh, tend to... well, that, that's one of my, th- the next question is, what have you heard? Yeah. What have I heard? Oh, yeah. what have I heard? Um, I'm trying to think what was the last thing that, that I heard. That... i tell you what I heard. I heard, um, this, everyone thinks I'm a goth, and my wife very much is, and I'm kind of goth adjacent in that I worked out 
I looked a lot better in the clothes when I was quite young. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not, some of the music I love, some of it I don't love, but there's, there's a very old goth band called Christian Death, who I think don't actually ha- have any of the original members left, left in them. Okay. And they've just done a song with somebody called Prayers, who is um, a Latino goth rapper. And a Latino goth rap is a thing. I didn't know this. I've only learned about it. Um, and this song's brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. I can't remember the name of it, but um, I just heard it and it blew me away. I thought, wow, that, that is just stunning. So there was that. And um, there's a band called Cult of Luna, who I like um, quite a lot. Their last album, Cygnus, was, was, I think that was their last album, it was with a woman called Julie Christie. And that was properly very noisy. But yeah. I like that. And then there's um, a band called Woven Hand who are kind of Christian American country band, but the music they produce is the darkest music I've, I've ever heard in my life. It's really weird. I, I am, I'm not a scary person. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite a, a light person, but I, I like sort of dark music and angry music and all these emotions that I don't really have. Um, so, so that was kind of but Woven Hand. If you, if you listen to a song called The Refractory by Woven Hand, and it's just astounding. There were once a band called 16 Horsepower, but they split up. And I thought they were Satanists, but, but they're not. He's very Christian. It's just okay. a, a version of Christianity that I don't... He seems like a lovely man that, that I'm not familiar with. And, and The Refractory is this astounding bit. All his music is astounding, but that's my favourite at the moment. Okay. What, what else have I been listening to? Um... I've listened to a lot of Mark Harmon's back catalogue because we've been driving around a bit and my wife yeah. really really likes Mark Harmon and I really don't. Um. Um, <laughs> so I've I've had to listen to that because whoever's driving gets to choose the music. So, so there that's was that. That's as right and proper. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is right and proper, but but um, it, it's it's terrible. Um, I shouldn't have to listen to it. <laughs> and. I've also been listening to a lot of baby metal. Oh, yes. I have have come across them as well. Yeah, I have a nine-year-old son, and he likes baby metal. He's a big fan of of baby metal, which is okay, because they are quite interesting what what they do, but I don't don't know if as a four-year-old bloke I'd feel comfortable (laughs) listening Mm. to them otherwise. Um, But he he really likes them, so I I think it's meant for him, so that's cool. And we looked at going to see them, but that was very, very expensive. Yeah. Mm. Maybe next year. Okay, so I've got one more question for you. Mm-hmm. And what do you think deserves more love? Oh, what do I think deserves more love? Gosh, that's a really good question and a really hard one. Oh, there's going to be a long pause now here while I... and that can be you know anything so uh whether there's uh an author you think deserves a bit more recognition or a a tv show that you used to watch that you doesn't get the love i'm gonna do like that two things that's Um, fine i'm gonna choose an author you you've probably never heard of he's called lee james harrison and he's a friend of mine 
and it he's incredibly talented and writes things that are just sort of not quite on kilter at the moment with what might be considered commercial. Um, mm-hmm. One of his his first book you, you can buy is called The Bastard Wonderland, and it's kind of epic fantasy, but it, it's very northern okay. uh, uh, and utterly unique and kind of wonderful and lovely. And the other thing I, I think deserves more love is, this is going to sound so hippie-ish, but um, each other just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of dri- drives me mad that the way we use the internet as a, a thing to argue about people with uh, and people kind of immediately go to the, the worst possible example yeah so, oh I, I, I like chickens and then somebody would immediately go oh, but do you know about this chicken that actually murdered children and, and I kind of think oh, just help people like things uh, and like each other uh, and don't try and stay away from the dark places if if you want the dark places, there's loads of fiction. My books will do that for you. You can go there. Um, but with each other, just kind of try and pick each other up a bit more if you can. That would be what I would... If I could do anything, that would be my superpower. And I think, yeah, you, you're right. It's it's like you, you go into Twitter these days and it's a cesspool of hate. And it didn't used to be, I'm sure, or whether it no. really was, but it was there was fewer of them. And... Yeah, this this is partly why I'm doing this podcast is to sort of say there's nice things. We know the world is going to hell, but let's try and remember See, I, that we I don't have some nice It is going to hell either. I think we we are in at the moment the last gasp uh, of a, a group of people who are desperately trying to hold on to something that's passed. And because I, I don't know if you have any children. Um, my little boy's nine. Mm-hmm. And his the kids around him they're just totally accepting of everything no matter where you're from they're gay they don't care they're just oh yeah so and so's got two dads that's just a thing um, and that's wonderful and that that is that is coming up and there are, there are more of them than there are of people going you can't be who you want you've got to do as we say and and the, the world they're gonna make our world into a much nicer place oh I crossed. hope so yeah. <laughs> The kids are all right, I suppose. Yeah. Was it, was it the, the, it wasn't the jam, was it? Was it Sham 69? Is it the Who? The Who, yeah. I'm not good at old bands. <laughs> 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 yeah. But they, they are, and and there is a, a lot of hope amongst the younger people. I mean, look at that girl who's going up and doing all the climate change stuff. That is just amazing. She's 14. Just astounding. When I was 14, I could barely get out of bed. I couldn't string a sentence together, and I was incredibly shy. It was like, yeah. no, no. Yeah, and, and she's she's out there changing the world. Amazing, and it will change. It has to. So. It has to. Yes. Yeah. If we can, if we can hold on and get past the, the current shambles we're in, yeah. I think we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you, I think you need to. It needs to get dark before you can realise you need to turn the lights on. Uh, and that, that might be where we are just now. So hopefully we're, there's about to be a, a new dawn. Let's say, God, that sounds really hippie-ish. Oh, gosh, that's, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, yes. We Yeah, we definitely need hope at this time. So yeah. absolutely, we'll go with that. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for today.
Brilliant. It's been lovely speaking to you. Lovely speaking to you too. Oh, are you going to Worldcon? I am going to Worldcon. Woohoo! Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm doing things there. I'm not quite. I'm not allowed to say what yet. Okay. Because it's not finalised, but I will be there and doing things. And Excellent. I'm going to some. I'm going to FantasyCon as well in Glasgow. I might be doing things there. Um, I get that. Oh, and I'm doing Waterstones in Cardiff. Are doing like a little literary festival. I'm doing that too in September. So thanks for listening to uh, Dumpy Little Unicorn podcast. Thank you very much to RJ Barker for uh, chatting to me. And um, thank you to Rob Sharp for letting me use his music. And I hope to uh, see you again in the next podcast. Thanks very much. Bye.